Your faves are back. Mine are Insecure, starring Issa Rae, returns to HBO for its fourth season, April 12th at 10 p.m. Follow your favorite characters as they evaluate their relationships, new and old, in an effort to figure out what's next. The Hollywood Reporter calls Insecure as one of TV's sharpest, funniest, and raciest comedies. Don't miss the season premiere Sunday, April 12th at 10 p.m. only on HBO. Me and my niggas trying to get it, your bitch. Your bitch hit the house and lick and tell me where did your bitch, your bitch. <laughs> Home invasion was persuasive, was persuasive. From nine to five, I know it's vacant, your bitch, your bitch. Dreams of living life like rappers do. Back when condom rappers wasn't cool, they wasn't cool. This is Money Trees okay. by Kendrick Lamar, and I thought it would be very appropriate with today's theme. Well, yes, of course it is. Praise the Lord, niggas. We thank Jay for our devotion every day. Every every week, she just opens us up with a song in the key of Z flat minor. Um, <laughs> rapping this week. We are excited. <laughs> We're excited. And she is ever flat. But what's up, sis? What's going on? Praise the Lord, niggas. Praise How the Lord, doing? niggas. We're doing well. And we have a guest, so I will allow our guest to introduce himself. Yes. Say hey to the people. Uh, I am Michael Arsenault, the <laughs> author of I Can't Date Jesus, and I Don't Want to Die Poor, which I really need you to buy. Um, <laughs> we're, out, we're out today. You know, we are know out today. Pandemic, um, what a time to be releasing a book. What a time. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is Michael Arsenault, not just the author of those two amazing books, but the New York Times best-selling author of I Can't Date Jesus. We are thrilled and excited to have him join us at the kitchen table, down to the kitchen table to talk about the worst hood we've ever endeavored to live in, child, adulthood. The ghetto. Um, (laughs) The ghetto. We do not recommend. But (laughs) since we're all here, we might as well figure out how to do it together. So you're doing, I mean, you know, given the fact that the world is burning down around us, Michael, how how are you as a person? Uh, I am well, all things considered, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, like, I mean, I'm familiar with financial crises, but I guess I'm not familiar when they come to like doomsday um, (laughs) movie plots. Right. Uh, I'm as well as can be all things considered being in the worst place in the world right now to, to be trying not to get mm-hmm. the corona yeah I, i'm trying to promote a book during a pandemic so i'm as well as can be <laughs> how does that you know, feel it's, weird. Ooh, it's very strange um it's like i don't want to flop um and i didn't invent capitalism but i can't let it swallow me whole right right that's real so it's like i wrote a book about financial hardship and basically being fucked over by a government like <laughs> And here we are again. I will say I'm affordable if you got it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is there. This is I think this is an ideal time, even though it seems like it is a, a less than ideal time. I believe this is an ideal time because the girls have ample time to read. Um, nothing else to do. We've nothing better to do than to expand our horizons and our vocabularies and all things that comes with, with reading. That's like LeVar Burton said. You know, um, to that point, like I will say, um, people have been telling me the book is like timely now, but the book was timely before because it's mm-hmm. ultimately about inequality and it's yes. about 
not just financial debt, in my case, it's like private student loan debt, but it's the emotional debt that we carry and that can manifest in so many different ways. So um, mm-hmm. I'm very, 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 very honest about debt and social media, people who do like OnlyFans and attitudes people have like towards sex workers. Like it's a lot of different stuff ultimately about like class. Mm-hmm. But one thing I really do write just honest about is struggle. Yeah. And it's not pretty, but it's honest. It is funny, I like to think. And it does end on a hopeful note. Right. And right now, I do think a lot of people need hope. Uh, I don't wrap things up in a pretty bow, but I do end with hope. So I do think Absolutely. there's time for that. It's just hard to get people to spend money right now. So please buy it. I'm paying for that. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to talk about some more with it. And we want to yes. learn some more about Michael Arsenault as the time goes on. But before we do that, we want to have a little... Well, first, sis, how are you? You know, I am yet holding on. Uh, uh... Holding on. Yet holding on. I think that, you know, it is what it is where we're, I'm teleworking and that has proven to be, you know, uh, really uh, it just, I'm I feel so like sorry. I'm, it's just like, I feel like I'm working way harder, which no, is, I, which is tough for me to say because I, I work hard, you know, as it is. So I have the, I'm, I'm feeling the exhaustion of it, but I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to work from home um, and it is just, it is really just hard, hard. I'm literally like, I think I am cheating on my relationship with Zoom at this point. <laughs> like, I think that Zoom and I are, we are so, together. <laughs> so well, it's like, we must all, well, we all sleeping with the same thing because we all, this Zoom, everybody Zoom. wants to Zoom everything. Zoom, Zoom, brunch, they Zoom. They want to Zoom. They want to Zoom life. They want to Zoom. They want to Zoom everything. And I mean, it's an adjustment, but I'm navigating and find my way through. And I think, too, what Michael was saying before, like life is life has a way of continuing to move around us and like keep going, even despite the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm having to make some really huge decisions about my life and livelihood right now and thinking about that in the container of the context of our current like political and financial and economic context. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's very it's it's. I feel uh, the pressure and that's, that's hard. Right. But you know, all things adulting, these are grown up decisions that I have to make and I'm figuring out how to do it. And I'm putting myself on punishment, literally like telling, turning my phone off and just kind of sitting still and, you know, just trying to think um, and make these big girl decisions as best I can. So that's that's where I'm at this week, girl. What about you? You out here parenting in the pandemic. I'm parenting. I have been, I was up till five o'clock in the morning working on this, these uh, quarantine content videos mm-hmm. and organizing things and putting them together and, you know, just trying to give the girls things while they're in the crib and get my own work done. And yeah, nigga, I looked up, it was 5 a.m. and I had to make myself turn the computer off. I was like, all right, go that's get in thing. the bed and get some rest. So that's the thing about working from home. Like a couple of days last week. Oh, that's my phone. Sorry. A couple <laughs> of days last week, I found myself literally three and four in the morning with this laptop still on my lap. And it was like, sis, mm-hmm. get your whole life together. It's a mess. Oh, okay. What? So that, real quick, I just, as someone that has had to work from home because of the last financial crisis, mm-hmm. it sucks. And you've never heard of me talk about I love working from home. Um, whatever, I'm glad you're learning to create like limits, but whatever you do, you have to be really vigilant about allowing your home to remain home because once it becomes work, it can quickly become nothing but work so yeah. mm-hmm. catch that now before it becomes a habit because it don't like i'm going to leave the house anytime soon adulting in the flesh <laughs> that's <laughs> real though 
Because, I mean, this we work so hard to make this place home, right? Mm-hmm. We want to be grateful that you have a job, but don't let yeah. it kill you. Yeah. But yeah. You, you know my little trick? I have a fold-up desk. I bought one of those tables that folds like a TV stand, but it's an actual oh, like wow. little table. Millennial. And I pull it out. Maybe <laughs> I got it? it from the bargain store though, actually. It was me and all the Caribbean labels. Me yes. and all the Caribbean ladies was at the bargain store getting fold-up tables. But that's how I pull it out. That's how I set up my recording equipment, my computer, and then when it's done, I put it away. I love that. Just to kind of give myself, you know, give us workstations throughout the house, but then know that when it's time to be done, we can put that shit away and we don't have to look at it no more. I take bop and smoke breaks. You know I take bop and smoke breaks. (laughs) I'm a very big believer in that. That's the morning jig, because the world will try to wear you down by like eight o'clock. Yeah. You need to get some joy in early and set the tone before it tries to stop you. I really, you know what? We're going to go more into Michael Arsenal because I want you all to understand the burn prayer. that he is. And prayer. <laughs> I love it. B- bop and prayer. Mm, I That's love it. That's probably more my speed. I definitely had a bop and prayer session with Shakisha this morning. That, we called each other. We're trying to hold brand. each other accountable to like having more um, regular, regular prayer time. Because I feel like the older I get, I feel like I've talked about this before, but like I kind of talk to God like in a constant conversation all day. Mm-hmm. So like the times where I sit down and kind of like have like a formal prayer, I feel like the older I get, that that time has kind of shrunk because I just be talking to God like I talk to y'all. I'd be like, so, okay, <laughs> like, um, mm-hmm. I've got this to do and this today and like, we got to talk about this. And by the way, thank you for that. Like, I just <laughs> like, it's very conversational. It's very like ongoing and iterative. Um, but I want to kind of get back to that, you know, dedicated devotion time. Mm-hmm. So Keisha and I have been working together on holding each other accountable for that. So we call each other every morning and have a little joint kind of prayer and set and study session thing. Um, when y'all gonna let me it. lead one of those? I mean, whenever you're ready, <laughs> sis. Whenever you would like to come on, we would love to have you. Ready. Don't nobody want me to lead the prayer circle. I promise you. I mean, it's not even a I circle. I would like you to lead my prayer group. It's you, not even uh, like yeah. a circle. And I mean, we still talk very conversation. Like you know, Keisha was very much herself. She was like, "Yay, God!" Like it was. Like, like, it was not formal. My gospel music is like Mary, Mary Chaplin's crew. So that's why I'm going to be my prayer. So. <laughs> so it's like Jamie Foxx? Well, you don't even got the Chaplin's crew, Mary, Mary, because that will, you'll find yourself in a twerk easily. Okay? Like, uh, yeah. Walking Chaplin's crew. Walking is like my one of my favorites. Really? So like that Chaplin's crew, yes. Please I've never tell heard me if you have I love God. I'm very from Houston. So, you know, everything is. Like Yolanda Adams' crew is beautiful. Open my heart, Chaplin's crew. That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. You need to make me a little playlist so I can be a be in the know. Open my heart, chop this crew. My grandfather, oh, my grandfather. But walking, walking is, I have a, my grandmother, I was listening to walking one time in the car with my grandma and it was so cute. She she listened to the whole song and then she was like, well, Kia, can I ask you a question? I said, what's up? She was like, where are they going? <laughs> <laughs> she said, the whole time they just said they're walking. They're just walking, walking, walking. One foot in front of the other. One foot. And she was like, well, where are they going? And I said, Grandma, you know, that is an excellent question. <laughs> I think, I guess they're going where they want to go. I don't know. Where they, <laughs> where they're praying to go. We got to listen a little deeper. But yes. I love the older ones and I love the babies. They always yes. ask the best questions. Those are the two best. When Noah, Noah asked me one time, she said, um, we were listening to Erica Badu, uh, You Can't Call My Phone. And she was like, but why they can't call it? 
I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Help me. So logical, those those Very two groups. Honest. Well, let's Very get into honest. this trash. All right, let's do it. Oh, I'm so excited to take the trash out today with Michael Arsenault. Oh, my Lord. We love your commentary and your articles on The Root. You have Absolute. such hot, witty takes. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, first and foremost on the trash... Um, you know, I don't usually come and say like a lot of really nice things about Tyler Perry, but I have to this time. Oh boy. Because he tipped 42 out of work servers $500 oh, a piece. That's wonderful. He got it. That's nice. Um <laughs> The Corona Perry. sirens are wilding out here, let me tell you all. They always will. Nah, but they're like it's, it's, it's birds and sirens. And not the bird I'm used to hearing in New York on my blog. That's um, Tyler Perry. Please. I think that's great. Um, I do too. I also wish sometimes he would tip the writers. <laughs> <laughs> or hire some. To end on a positive note, I will say recently I turned to Medea plays for uh, on a trial for BET Plus. And those plays really gave me some joy and they helped me discover bigger, which I really, really love. So I got me some Medea. Nice. I, I learned how once again I was reminded if I just gave it all to God and dated a nice blue collar light skin man. That's it. Oh right. Everything. Everything. Um, yeah, tipping, but you know, you know, tip tip the writers, hire some. <laughs> hire some and then you could tip them. Um people love to give a good D and then forget the fact they don't maybe, you know, allegedly pay everybody. I'm just saying. I'm, you know, well, we'll get to that as well. God bless him. You don't know, worry. um, Tyler Perry. I think that that's wonderful. It, it was a nice thing. It was the servers at Houston's is what it was in okay. Atlanta. Mm-hmm. At <laughs> Getting spinach dip. Getting spinach dip in a Hawaiian ribeye. <laughs> because, you know, niggas love a ribeye. And a we ribeye know where and to a get spinach it. dip. <laughs> and a we margarita. We know where to get it. We know where to get it. I, I mean, that's, that's what's up. I, I mean, get the same four items from Houston's every time. I wish I could tip $500. Um, I'm, I'm going to look into this. Um, I mean, because we can't. For for what for what it's worth, mm-hmm. the Medea plays do bring you joy. Yes, I mean <laughs> they will. I mean, mm-hmm. you we can sit here and debate, you know, all the things that can be debated about them. But I mean, it's a laugh and a cackle. It's honestly like watching my family, except they don't end getting saved. Exactly. That is literally watching my family, except they don't end with Jesus. <laughs> we don't- it ends with a crown and maybe like some shots when the same same thing. Not proud of shots. <laughs> It'll fight. <laughs> I mean, you will have the same music breaks to everything with my friend. We will burst into three part harmony. But, but will y'all have that microphone? No. And our wigs what I can't. Our wigs take. are a whole lot better. Our wigs oh. are better, the clothes are better, but you know, agreed. Concurred. I, I could probably take a Tyler Perry if they had better wigs, honestly. Um Jeannie. May, my, 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 what do I know? And <laughs> I don't know that young lady like that. And young Jeezy are yes. engaged. They've been now, strongly in love for eight months. They are engaged. Now, I just want to see if she's going to catch the pregnant. That's what I'm waiting on. You know she is. That's going to be like. Because. They seem very happy, although I saw that controversial <laughs> clip on Twitter and Instagram. I believe in people that they can oh. grow, so I'm going to, you know, pray for her about mm-hmm. that part. Maybe she's been healed. Um, I don't... 
I feel like she's been healed from the inside. Congratulations. <laughs> if if they like it, I love it. That's all I I've just got. think Jeezy for that first album. So let him have it. Whatever. <laughs> I, I love, love Jeezy's, Jeezy's first, first album. album. Yeah. Mm, I miss me some TM 104 as well. Um, Common and, and Tiffany Haddish are officially, officially, officially a couple, apparently. Well, why is how official is official? Uh, uh, they're quarantined, quarantined together. together. Oh, okay. Quarantined. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so, um, God bless that is the a, most. That's a nice thing to look at um, in times of isolation. So shout out to you, girl. Um, <laughs> Enjoy yourselves. Really? They showed up on Cedric the Entertainer's live. It they was comment was on there, and then Tiffany slid right on into the frame and got right up in the camera. I just want to highlight how Tom joined a morning cruise. This whole scene is just sounded. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, Tiffany. I'm sorry. I just I didn't want to highlight that. <laughs> very t- <laughs> very, very Tom, Tom joined in the corner. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Because all I keep thinking about is Cedric's hats. And those are like the most uncle things ever known to man. Did he have one on in the IG live? <laughs> I think so, yes, if I remember correctly. His hats remind me of ribs. And that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I like, just feel like... ribs are probably good, though. And I feel like I could just see him frying fish in the backyard in a pot. You know his fish is on. delicious. It probably do slap. I really he just could be out there in a white beater in a wool right hat. Yup. Belly all out. <laughs> Nipple showing through the beater. <laughs> Y'all stop coming in out that door. Yep. You let all <laughs> good air out. Get some wind. <laughs> Sit down. So that's that one. That. Okay, oh. Tiffany, enjoy yourself. Wrap it up. Floyd Mayweather's daughter got a felony. So is she dating one of the young people? What's his name? Oh, God. NBA somebody. NBA uh, young man. Young boy. (laughs) Yeah. Is it young man? It's young boy. That's what I'm calling him. Okay. NBA young man. What does her felony have to do with anything? What is it? So according to the YBF, Mm -hmm. which I really need y'all to do something about these pop-ups. They stress me out. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh, <laughs> they, yeah. they do. They, I was trying to read the story earlier. An ad popped up Listen, every two that seconds. That girl is trying to pay her bills, in which the I am not mad about. But I gotta make it four <laughs> seconds through a video. <laughs> I got to. She but said, y'all gonna have to just click the X until times get better. Okay. Your uh, your, your contribution, contribution to society is appreciated. <laughs> so uh, she, she copped a felony, felony charge because she allegedly stabbed. stabbed the NBA young boy's what? child's mother. Oh. Yes. Oh. Yes. No, you can't be stabbing baby mamas in a pandemic. No, no you, you will go to prison. Period. And probably catch it. It's not worth oh. it. Oh, yes. You're not going to be of the released daughter. You're, it's just, just not going to happen. Didn't you follow her on Instagram or something? Did I see that? Something Ooh, petty. They said Ooh, that uh-huh. she was arrested and charged Saturday morning following the altercation and see these goddamn ads <laughs> um the, the 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 girl was found on the kitchen floor and was you know it was what? it was a messy oh no scene. so she really got stabbed it wasn't yeah, just like, like a just let me stick you we gotta throw that alleged in there so, so we, we don't, don't get sued oh, no, I don't so, i'm sorry alleged. i don't have any money so yes alleged yeah, yeah. And, and then, then apparently, apparently he dropped, dropped a disc record, record called Dirty Ayana. 
I don't, I don't know, know anything, anything about, about that. Oh wait, I missed this. Yeah. yeah. This, this now I'm back to time Jenner. <laughs> but I was like, oh god, that's the name that makes me always feel old. Well, she was a released on a thirty thousand dollar bond. Okay. How that happened, I don't know. And she's set to head back to court tomorrow, today. Yes. Mm. All right. What well, money can do with lawyers? Mm. You go into court while we're supposed she, to be social distancing. You see what your bad choices do. Bleeding on the kitchen floor. That is a shame. Wait, also, you should not be close enough to stab anybody. That's what I'm saying. Six, six feet. Like, six feet. This, this, we're, we're not, we're not unless supposed she to be threw, near each other. Unless she threw the knife like a dart. I don't have that <laughs> kind of time. <laughs> I don't think she's got that skill. They're they clearly, clearly not practicing social distancing. And this is, listen, we are in danger. This is why we, we can't do. go outside. This, this is right. We're outside and stabbing folks. It's, it's not going to be, we're going to be in the house till all gets fooling around with this, yes, this young lady. We got to do better as a people. Help us, God. And as a people, I mean humans. Um, and <laughs> in terms of what we were talking about earlier, rich people giving stuff away. Uh, Cardi I B. Could use a couple of dollars. I could too. <laughs> but Cardi B did a really nice thing. She donated a bunch of meal supplements to uh, the medical staff here in New York in the ER. Meal supplements or like meal. Meal, meals that they. Mill supplements, and she says oh. she did it because she knows they're working like crazy and they're not getting the nutrients they need. So oh. she's like, with them being, being on the, the go, go so much, I want to make sure that they're having she wants things to like nourish their sure. body. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, was uh, what's the stuff called? called? Uh, I was about to call they eat on the go because my mom was like a nurse. Like, I, I got that, that. I love like honestly, she kind of one of the few celebrities that seems to always get it right when it comes mm-hmm. to this kind of stuff. Yeah, like, she pays Harry attention and spreading the the. The five G thing. I was like, "Girl, is that what you want to be doing?" Oh, God. Who's Carrie Hilson? I just couldn't. I just couldn't <laughs> believe she wasted the what little relevance she had left on that. On breathing those those words. I'm like, sis, you had one. Like, this is literally your last and fleeting moment. <laughs> like, these children, <laughs> these children don't know who you are, and then you want to step on the scene with this foolishness. <laughs> they really gonna be like. like the crazy lady exactly to Blue Ivy's mama exactly <laughs> now you the crazy conspiracy lady that was on um, the blogs talking stupid like come on come on they're gonna, all they're gonna do now at this point Carrie Hilson doesn't realize that she's written herself into a future Netflix role like how they did that light skin lady with uh, she gonna be on the Lifetime uh, movies with Octavia Spencer doing the right thing good for her this is why you could call Carrie the Maleficent of R&B <laughs> <laughs> Poor unfortunate soul. Oh no, that's Ursula. That's same thing. Oh Jesus. That's our oh, and also Oprah and Jeff Bezos gave uh two million two million dollars. Uh they're making donations. Yeah, to, uh making donations towards coronavirus cures. So Oh, oh, 10, 10 excuse, excuse me. Oh, excuse me, $100 million. I was about to say, Oprah, could, Oprah got a little bit more in the $100 game. $100 million. And Jeff gave 100 No, no both, both of them gave 100, 100. $100 million. Jeff Bezos, as you were speaking earlier about what Tyler Perry needs to do for writers, he needs to do that for his employees. So Jeff Bezos is the Amazon man? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. What'd you say, Michael? Oprah's hundred million is more of her, her fortune. I mean, I guess I can't count people's money, but Jeff Bezos like has more money than all of us. Jeff Bezos yeah, is the, the richest, richest person well, in the world. Up, you know what? Amazon or in the United States. Let us not bite all, the hand. I love all my retailers. 
But yeah, I mean, I I see a point taken in terms of like percentage, right? Of like how much we yeah. all could give. I'll just say that, yeah. Amen. A little more, yeah. All right, is that all for the trash? That's it. We got the trash. Let's get into this good kitchen table. Your faves are back. Insecure, starring Emmy and two-time Golden Globe Award nominee Issa Rae, returns to HBO for its fourth season Sunday, April twelfth at ten p.m. Follow favorite characters played by returning cast members, including Yvonne Orji, Jay Ellis, Natasha Rothwell, Amanda Sills, Kendrick Sampson, and Alexander Hodge as they evaluate their relationships, both new and old, in an effort to figure out what's next. At work, in love, and in life, watch as Issa pursues a passion project she cares about. Molly navigates a real relationship for the first time. Oh, Lord, I can't wait to see that. Lawrence figures out what leveling up means for him, and Tiffany feels the effect of her new baby that it has the dynamic on the friend group. The Hollywood Reporter calls Insecure one of TV's sharpest, funniest, and raciest comedies, and Vanity Fair calls it devastatingly funny. Catch up on our rewatch seasons, one through three now, and don't miss the season four premiere Sunday, April 12th at 10 p.m., only on HBO and streaming on HBO Now, Go, and On Demand. Okay, so you noticed that we did not have a shout out this week. And that's because we're merging the shout out with our kitchen table talk. Our shout out is Mr. Michael Arsenault, our guest. Hey. And we're going to put the link so you guys can just go ahead and, pr- and get your books like yes. right away. You're going to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and since you're in the crib and if you're worried about getting things shipped, I'm sure there are audio or other there are, uh, digital copies as well. Kindle, all of these things. Get your life. Some retailers ship faster than others. Check your local. Um, you know, I'm sorry. It's, I don't mail them. Some My friends have been texting me like I actually can hand deliver them. I'm like, <laughs> I don't have them here. <laughs> sorry, girl. <laughs> You're going to have to go and buy them somewhere else. So my very first question for you, who narrated the audio book? Oh, I did it. Um, it's so funny. The last, I did it the first time. They weren't gonna. Um, they weren't gonna pay. Me. Well, I got paid, but mm-hmm. they didn't even think for me to do an audio book. And then they were gonna try not to pay me at first. I was like, all right, first of all, you out of your mind. We don't do nothing for free. And, <laughs> and this is still, I respect you know my publisher's audio team, but it was like, um, do you know how most people actually listen to stuff now? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So um, I did it. I did it again. Yes. Um, this book is a lot darker than the first one, um, mm-hmm. but it's still funny. Uh, but so it was weird to read some of it. But yeah. It's out tomorrow. I haven't been able to post anything from it because apparently you can't legally do that until like it's actually out. Some kind oh. of shit. Oh, really? You can't? It's on my end. I don't know. That that might not be for everybody. But yeah, I can't post until tomorrow. But it's definitely me in this twang that comes out. Oh, I love it. I, I definitely posted about it. it. I love to hear to I love to hear books in the voice of the author. I think yeah. that, that makes like it helps to paint the picture um, for me. I love that. That's how I ended up enjoying Michelle Obama's book because I listened to her narrate it. Yeah. Because when I read it, snooze, <laughs> snooze. <laughs> no shade. Um, no, no shade. I bought the book, but I was wondering. I was like, oh, you said, I was like, oh, maybe I should listen to her because I've actually never listened to a book, I don't think, but I mm-hmm. would. That was my very first audiobook I've ever listened to, and that shows me. So that's why I wanted to specifically ask you that because that seems like a treat. Her book is like, well, Raymond, I'm like, girl, get to it. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, she's very, very, like, she really does paint the picture. Like, she oh, does, yes. she takes the long way around. Oh, the Bob Ross um, route. <laughs> she lets you know very, very, very specific details, right? Which is a thing, right? And people love it. Um, but I, it does kind of, the pace, you find yourself like, I feel like I can just. Whoop. I grew up on Sycamore Street <laughs> on Wednesday at 8 a.m. I used to walk to Stop William it. Grace okay, Elementary so in my Michael, <laughs> Michael, tell the tell us. Did you always know? Like, you we know who you are. Tell us um, a little bit. Like, we get into it in the story in the book. You talk um, in both your books about like who you are as a person. But did you always know that you were going to be a writer? Did you always know that you I were going to, to talk to host. write um, books? <laughs> oh my god! I wanted to be a talk to host. Um, I was a broadcast journalist major. I mentioned a little bit in um, I Can't Date Jesus. I think I said I wanted to be like Katie Kirk with a dick. Um, <laughs> but around the time when I was in college, it just, just the idea of me being that type of news anchor just didn't really make sense. So I kind of more or less fell into writing. I knew I wanted to write books. I didn't know I wanted to, well, I didn't want to really write full time. It just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it's kind of like a natural fit. Like I knew I was a writer. I just didn't know I'd be doing it so much. So even though it wasn't, exactly what I thought I'd be doing. I think I, I thought I'd be doing books, but I didn't know I'd be going about it this way. I thought certain other things would happen first. But everything happens how it's supposed to, even when you don't like the shit. But <laughs> do you write do you do, are you more comfortable writing about yourself or do you like writing about other things? Or do you not uh, care? I have a I mean it's like I mean it's like in a humble way, but I'm 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 blessed in that I have a lot of interest in a lot of stuff. So I write, you know, I write a lot about culture and politics, but that's so many different things, particularly mm-hmm. on the internet. I've written like kind of almost about every type of subject and done kind of so many different types of writing to support myself. That's like beyond media. Like I write like I've done like ad copy, I've done like all types of stuff to like basically mm-hmm. better. Um I guess. No, uh, to answer your question, am I comfortable writing about myself? Not necessarily, but I also know that I really wanted to tell my story because one, I think it's been really important to diversify the narratives mm-hmm. um, of people like me who I, sh- I don't think I really hear from. Like in my case, you know, I've never heard from a nigga from Houston <laughs> that's gay, that talks like me, that lives like me, that know people like me, that, you know, grew up like me. And in this book, you know, I think in a lot of my work, I really do write for like black working class people. I think that's a perspective that's really missing from media entertainment because a lot Mm -hmm. of people don't kind of admit that, you know, usually the only people that can exist in media entertainment are folks who are middle class and being black and middle class is like a luxury. I wouldn't be black and middle class. And so Mm -hmm. it's just little things like that, acknowledging that, like that has a certain perspective that informs how you look at the world. But I don't think enough people really get that. So yeah, um, writing about money was really hard it's easy, honestly, easier to write about sex and being scared about intimacy mm-hmm. than it's to talk about bill collectors calling you on Christmas Eve, yeah. writing you to default in your mama's mm-hmm. house, mm-hmm. and you're like twin bed, and you feel like less of a man, mm-hmm. or you feel so bad about your debt that you're like purging, you're hurting yourself, because that's the only type of control that you feel like you have in your life. It's right. not really easy to write about. I don't really take any joy in it. It's hard mm-hmm. to like read and look back, but I do think that it serves a greater purpose. And then for me, I just wanted to people feel like they're not alone. Um, that was one respect for queer folks, but really anybody that struggled in the first place of like just being told who you're supposed to be rather than just being who you are. Right. And in this case, I just know it's harder than it says. Like you can make, the median income in this country is like what, 40 something, $50,000. Um, you can make six figures in this country and be broke. Yep. You can have a, be a New York Times bestselling author and lose your health insurance the same week. 
people assign a lot of things to titles and how things look without having real honest conversations about how most of us, no matter what we're doing, right. are probably not being paid what we deserve. Right. Mm-hmm. And then some of us start with disadvantages more than others just to even have like the basic startup of like somebody who grew up even just with a nice neighborhood where they didn't have burger bars like me right. or wherever my folks mm-hmm. used it. So yeah, um, that was my roundabout way of saying, yeah, I think it's not comfortable, but I, I, it serves a purpose. And that really does mean a lot to me. How did that, so when you, for the person who has never read I Can't Date Jesus, and now they're here, you're talking about I Don't Want to Die Poor. What would you tell them to truncate your message to draw them in? What was I Can't Date Jesus about? Um, I Can't Date Jesus is essentially about, it's one thing to be, taught who you are it's another to kind of forge an identity on your own terms and in my case in my context that I was like I grew up really catholic and I'm black and gay and I thought it meant to be gay meant to die the age like my uncle at six and then you go to hell mm-hmm. and for me to unlearn that and to actually embrace intimacy I don't want to die poor is essentially more or less about again inequality but the fact is you know if I can't say Jesus is about freedom I don't want to die poor is like, you know, life is expensive. Freedom actually comes with a cost. Like, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. it's one thing to know who you are. It's another to actually have the means to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of things that people say that, you know, can benefit you don't because you just need money. And that's a real struggle. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I love about the book um, is in addition to you being so transparent um, about your lived experience, it's like you really offer some really dope critiques of, uh, some of the systems and structures that contribute to like, you know, the barriers to true kind of economic freedom that we are born into. Right. So these things, these are not situations that we, um, you know, can like the, the notion of meritocracy that we can work our way out of like the, the, the level, pl- the pl- the playing field is not level for many of us. And as someone who studies higher education, um, I don't think that we spend enough time. I don't think that there is enough conversation or discourse around that particular system um, and the ways that it literally, um, you know, straddles us. Like, you know, it literally burdens us with like we start off the game at like at a, not not just at beyond the deficit that comes with our identities that we, mm-hmm. you know, our bodies exist within. But we now come out of the game with it with degrees but also, you know, financially, you know, positioning ourselves further and further away from acquiring the generational wealth that's going to push us forward as a people. Black college graduates. Absolutely. Um, And for degrees that, you know, and at the same time we graduate with degrees, but like white people without college degrees still somehow make more money than us Mm -hmm. when they start Mm -hmm. getting jobs. Um, Mm -hmm. It's like someone asked me earlier in like a, a different interview about which, I got, because I kind of talked about it in the book too, um, they didn't ask that specific question, but to your point, it reminded me that um, people think you can kind of sometimes will away stuff. Mm-hmm. And we always encourage like positive thinking. And I'm not, I mean, I don't want to, but get that. I'm not a fan of prosperity ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I clearly am not necessarily, I'm not an, I'm a recovering Catholic, but I still believe in the <laughs> God and my idea of Christ is not, this idea where like you are favored in a way where you're getting financial rewards Mm -hmm. because of some personal attribute whereas you know because no one to me works harder no one's more giving than a working class or poor person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so you know just the fact is like if just 
to your, like what you said, like when you're born without or just not as much as somebody else, it's just all the more harder. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why we don't talk about that more often. I think instead of just kind of, and I don't think anybody's necessarily more guilty of it. I mean, some people are more guilty than others, but like even on Instagram, I think everybody's kind of showing the greatest hits of their life. That mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean you're trying to create a yeah. false impression of your life, but you're not inclined to show those harsher parts of yourself Absolutely. because people are more mm-hmm. judgmental about it. When mm-hmm. the reality is more often than not, like even in this moment, we're all lucky to be here no matter what individual struggles we have. We're just so fortunate to even be in this place. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like one false move from either of us or just frankly the move of somebody else. Right. This guy will be pulled from other under us, and mm-hmm. Donald Trump is president, and like I could be dead by the end of this sentence. So it's just like, <laughs> a lot of this is out of our control. Those are trying to get out to be hopeful. No, <laughs> yeah. for real. I think that, that I'm, I'm, I think it's awesome, and I'm saying that these stories are not just useful and important for us, um, the people who are living these uh, these realities, to know that we're not living them alone. Mm-hmm. But also, like from where I sit in the, the places where I find myself doing my work working with institutional leaders, college presidents, provosts, uh, faculty, um, many of whom are very much, very still, like the professory is still largely white and largely male, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, I'm telling you right now in 2020, most of these men, even as well-intentioned and well-meaning as they are, they literally don't have any knowledge of the of the lives of our lived experiences. The ways that we come into the, their classrooms, right? And they have these notions of these colleges and universities as spaces where everyone is literally pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps and, you know, um, you know, judging performance and excellence by things that, you know, have no significance to us. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that that's why I want to commend you for just telling this story and saying that this book is not just for those of us who are living the struggle, but also people who are oblivious to it. Right. So I think that it's important. It's important for and I mean, this is like when I talk. These are the kinds of books that I that I hope to, that I include on my resource list when I work with these kinds of people uh, who who are asking about the lived experiences of students. So it's important that it's not just other scholars who are white and male telling the stories of of telling our stories, but mm-hmm. but us giving giving us platform and space to tell our stories on our own. So um, I just wanted to kind of just say say that as someone who studies higher education, it's awesome to see um, a black male talking about what co- what college cost you like aside from just from a real adult and serious person a real adult who is crying on the phone with her mama news, um, so I, it just really means a lot so i appreciate that like that means a lot to me no no for real i think nah, it's, it's this is awesome yeah you tell you're, you're telling a story that needs to be told i mean and heard by not just people like us but everybody yep absolutely now when you wrote the book when um who did what the people that you wrote this for who did you write this for because we talked about who needs to hear it right now but who were you who did you have did in you mind have somebody you in this? mind yeah i try not to think of any particular group of people in mind but um i i mean i want to i mean i write usually first and foremost with like black people in mind i'm trying to like offer a certain type of perspective so i'm cognizant of that but for the most part like i want anybody who wants to read my stuff to read it um i just mm-hmm. write it from my perspective and i don't kind of I think sometimes people can be like particularly authors are guilty of like kind of writing towards a white audience. I don't do that part. Mm-hmm. So I just write what I want to, I just want to make people laugh and want to make people think. Um, yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking. This was a miserable thing to write because last year turned out to be a lot harder than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but the year ended much like the book with kind of like a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, some bad things happen after the fact. Like, you know, I write about the uncle and the, the title chapters. And I write about um, one chapter about lack of access to health care. I lost an uncle to cancer, but I really lost him to not having health insurance. Mm -hmm. um, some of those parts are sad and hard to think about. But yeah, I didn't necessarily write it for people like that. But um, but I wrote with all of those types of people who are my folk, who, who is me, mm -hmm. in mind. I like that. And people like yourself... Because I just want you all to know Michael Arsenault is a good friend of mine and we key. <laughs> there are some very fun opening moments. <laughs> and one of them is a quote that reads, throw that money over here, nigga. That's what it's for. Cardi oh B. Gosh. The fact that you put that <laughs> in the opening of this damn book. The fact that they let me put that. <laughs> Literally, shout out to Atria. Like, I, I mean, I know I was getting a little groovy about the audio from the first time we made it. Um, but, uh, they let me put that in there. And I was very shocked, but so pleased. Because it's going to be like a bunch. And, you know, I, got, I, love, I love NPR crowds. I'm very happy when they would let me on. So it'll be like some nice people um, opening that book, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, okay. I over, it's an Erica Jane quote on top of it. So. It is an Erica Jane quote, but I just wanted to I wanted to gloss over that. <laughs> I wanted to gloss over that. Do you ever go back once you've written a whole book? Because you've written two. Mm, <laughs> look at that. Mm, two. Go back and read them. Yeah. Do you go back and read them? And if you do, do you have moments where you chapters or lines or anything that you go back and be like, you know what? Like, I'm that nigga. Like, I, I'm enjoying well, I this. Never do that. I, actually oh, know I was about to say all the converse and be like, Jesus, God, why would I say that? <laughs> no, no, that's what I no, no, I'm already, I usually like am already dreading something I wish I could change. So it's okay. never that. I mean, I'm proud of my work, but. Mm -hmm. um, well, the thing is when you, so when I turn, it's one thing when you turn in the draft and then there's like, you re you end up reading the book so many times through editing mm -hmm. and then editing again and mm -hmm. copy editing and then legal and then pages and mm -hmm. then final pages mm -hmm. and then production copy and you have to read the audio book and then typically you go on a tour before pandemic mm -hmm. and low-key you probably don't at least for me i don't like that shit for a while but um <laughs> i will say i worried a lot about the book quality because i felt like i wrote it under such duress Mm -hmm. But in the midst of like the editing and that process, I went back and looked, I'm like, I'm actually really proud of this. I think that this book is better than my first. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I achieved my goal of growing as a writer. I am looking back at I can I will be more frequently, but that's more so for something else, like mm -hmm. work related, but not really um, just to reflect. Because um, now I got to hurry up and, you know, do some more stuff because I don't know where this economy going. Um, yeah. and I'm, to it and I'm worried. <laughs> We all need to no, just kind of. I am frightened. I'm not even gonna hold you. What I think that is. No, I'm saying that's so real though, because I think even like I talked to my supervisor who is a black woman, um, uh, academic. You know, she's been in the in the academy for over. 20 years at this point um and literally coming from you know baltimore and we talk a lot about like being in spaces we weren't trained to be in and mm -hmm. not having any sort of not just like professional experience but cultural capital right mm -hmm. um and understanding you know how things work and operate in those spaces um, and she's been an awesome mentor to me and helping me kind of understand things because you know i, I come from a place where and I, I say this with all humility. I say mm -hmm. this fully acknowledging that my family has been amazing, you know, in terms of cultivating me and 
training me up to be who I am. But I will say that now I'm at a level of life where my mama can't advise me about certain things. Um, and I have to make decisions that are, you know, I don't want to say bigger than her, but like, you know, different different like you know what I'm saying like we're navigating different spaces Bigly different right <laughs> we're navigating different spaces of time and different mm-hmm. spaces different realities so mm-hmm. having to navigate both worlds right where still, our families are still um very much navigating and negotiating low income and in in impoverished situations and we are you know working like everything like working our tits mm-hmm. off so that we can so we can not die poor right so and that kind of puts us in places sometimes where you know you kind of have to straddle the fence and live two two worlds is that something for you is that like do you struggle to translate things to your family and vice versa yeah i, get, I, know, I know exactly what you mean um but i think uh well i think my situation is a little bit more unique because i mean um you know, I, I love my parents, but I don't think my my dad my dad like Cat Williams and like still would threaten to cut people from me. So he is oblivious <laughs> to everything that I'm doing. Like that, that so that's not really a he was he was like, you need you all right? All right. And then we good. Um, yeah. While he drinks his medicine, which is like code for Paul Masson and crying. Like he ain't texting me. Now my mom and I my mom is um my mom misses my mom still misses mass pre-Vatican too in Latin. So um, let's just say these worldly things are of no interest to her. Um, So I will say I have told her about certain things that's happened to me professionally, Um, but we don't really talk about them at length because, you know, the thing about I Can't Date Jesus, that title is related to my mom. So Mm -hmm. I will say um, we didn't really talk about that book much because it wasn't like a, a point of contention mm-hmm. but I will say I keep her informed about certain stuff but I don't have to worry about that problem as much because she doesn't take as much interest because of the conflict you know what I mean so yeah. um I talk about it a little bit with my sister she's more open to talk about it. it's hard to sometimes explain the world of the stuff that you're like like you say we're, I'm still trying to learn mm-hmm. um but also sometimes I don't mean room blue. I just stop trying to explain shit to niggas. I don't have time. Like, <laughs> no. like I be trying to walk with them. Like if you don't got it, like I'll just tell you later. Um, just don't count my money. I'll let you. Like don't do shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had a better like more like answer than I'm like. No, no, no. no. That's real though. Because I think I mean was I I tell Jay all the time. I mean everybody knows. Like I I'm strategic about the things that I tell my mom that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. Not necessarily because I'm hiding anything or mm-hmm. because I'm ashamed of anything. But I just, you know, you have to kind of negotiate. Yeah. What conversations worth having and which is right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Straining what what where where is this gonna, you know, and where the what the result is gonna be, right? Is mm-hmm. this gonna is this gonna impact how is this gonna impact our relationship? And would it just be better for us not to talk about it? Like <laughs> I um give me a, a let's see, six months to a year, I might have another um update to that answer because <laughs> I think certain things will make that more of a, a, a thing where I have to actively talk about it we ain't mm-hmm. there yet but so far they keep they kind of keep the distance and I kind of stopped trying to explain shit anyway I mean, it... like, you might hear about something but <laughs> well, you gotta tell them like does she know about this book oh, yeah yeah she knows that another book coming out um I said that um, did she see the dedication is the New York best times is the New York Times best selling thing like a huge deal? Like right? I care about that. My mom wouldn't care about it either. She would be like, but what has you appreciate this? My mom is a true believer. She doesn't she genuinely feels how she feels 
I differ on her, but even if it's a conflict and I've it's been painful, her conflict with my sexuality and me talking about it is rooted in this idea that she's doing it on behalf of my soul. Mm. So when you have that type of belief, that supersedes anything. So yeah. it comes from a good place, even if it's misguided. And mind right. you, I don't excuse the harm that it does, but just to contextualize it, that's the kind of just understanding to forgive. Mm. Um, yeah, she she don't care. Mm-hmm. She didn't. She didn't care. Um, it didn't mean anything to her. Um, wow. When I told her about certain stuff that might be happening with the first book, she <laughs> did not give a fuck. <laughs> wow. Because she is a true believer. Like her reward wow. is heaven. That's her mind. Wow. And you really can't do nothing to shake a true believer. You get. You know, you're like she. Don't I care. get it. I get it. Yeah. More than none you know. of that will ever impress her. <laughs> I get it. Well, your dedication impressed me. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. It was. Li- it was. This and the what was it? Somebody showed him. He was like, ah, that's my nigga. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he not gonna, he, he, yeah, my mom is not. She's not checking. Between the dedication and the uh, the ever expanding list of things we've killed, mm. I got my life. May I read Thank the dedication? You. May I read it? Oh yeah, sure. I would just like to because I want to entice you niggas to buy this book. <laughs> and no, these are the, some of the things. That will draw you in. Listen, to every single customer service rep employed by Discover Student Loans or Naviant, this book is not dedicated to you, but I would like to extend a fuck you to each of you for disturbing me with your calls while I was writing this book. (laughs) Had you given me a little peace, you would have gotten your money sooner. With that out of the way, this book is dedicated to my mama. Thank you (laughs) for making my life so. Yep. Don't discover student loan. Listen, Maven. They got all my money. Everyone you concerned about Corona. No, you're not. Fuck off. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you are not. You haven't been worried about me. Fuck Stop off. lying. Stop lying. Through your teeth. That's enough. But I'm super proud of you. I'm Absolutely. super, super, super proud of you. Um, Two books. One New York Best Time Seller. I'm sorry. Another one is coming. I believe another this. Another one coming. So we can get another one, please. Yes, indeed. Again, I'm very affordable. No. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I really feel like many people will benefit from hearing your story. I mean, just the relatability of it. Absolutely. There's just so many of us. I mean, both my hands are raised and one of my feet because, you know, mm-hmm. this student loan thing is... You know, I got, I'm sitting in about a Range Rover's worth. So... So, um, you know, it is it is a real live thing. Right. And I mean, these are the I mean, I don't know about anybody else. I don't know about you, Michael, but I feel like, you know, we were set up like, you know, what I'm saying they told yeah, us right. they told us that we were not. These were the these were the keys to the kingdom. We needed these degrees in order to make something of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to say that that's not the truth, but I'm just saying like the, the, the game is rigged. Right. So that is that is literally the bar for bar, the spirit of the book and the testament like off the bat, like. I was sold a dream. It was a calculated risk. He mm-hmm. told me this is what we were supposed to do to get ahead. And then if we did X, Y, Z, it would be worth it. But that does not reflect like actual reality and how things are set up. So yeah, it is fucked up, but I do try to at least give folks some hope. Like there I is hope in it. It's gonna be easy, but I try to be hopeful about it because that's all we can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good well, time. make sure you all get right online and purchase your copy of I Don't Want to Die Poor. Again, we're going to put uh, links in the description box. Michael, we are beyond proud of you. You know I love yeah, you. Yeah, man. So I, proud. I, I thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. It, it means a lot. No, and I can't wait for a big ting zaguan. Absolutely. Let's hopefully wear a mask, wash your hands, buy a book, buy my book. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
That's going to be the episode title. There yes. you go. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. We Thank really you, appreciate Michael. you. Honestly. Truly. That was such a treat. What? It was so nice to have, so have Michael good. on the show. So we hope you guys enjoyed that and um, and that you purchased your copy. Absolutely. But now we got this honesty box. Hey. And I, I warn you ahead of time, it is a long one. Oh, I actually boy. did my due diligence and tried to copy and paste it into Word and truncate it. But we need a lot of the, this story so in order. So let's get to it. Hey, Jade and Kia, thank you for providing a podcast that allows me to feel like I'm not alone in this thing called adulthood. I pray that you're doing well during this time of the COVID and not choking or throat punching anyone who doesn't understand the rule of staying the hell away from you. (laughs) Now, let's get to the reason for this email. I have a younger sister. We're both in our 30s and 18 months apart. She's decided to come to where I live in our multi-generational family home due to coronavirus. Now, I am all about my family and getting through tough times. However, she comes with a shitload of drama that no one has time for, especially me. I struggle with anxiety and have shared this with her. I've even set boundaries and have told her when she's coming, when she's crossing them. I will disconnect and isolate myself from exploding, but she keeps tapping on that last good nerve. She's the mother of my preteen nephew. She came home because she told our parents that she was going through financial issues. Okay, cool. But she's moving as if there are not measures in place to keep the spread of this thing low. She's been in and out of the house, visiting friends, inviting people over to the house and being disruptive. Smoking weed in the house, drinking excessively and yelling at my nephew early in the morning. She, her son, our mother and grandmother are all high risk due to health issues. And she comes and goes like she doesn't give one single fuck for the well-being of the people who live in the home she lives well over two hours away but feels like she can do what she wants because she's grown and always reminds everyone that she is i've reminded her on several occasions that we may be family but you're still a guest so act accordingly or leave here's the issue i'm the mother of an eight-year-old and she's constantly commenting on how i raise my son from the school he attends how he dresses activities he's in etc I basically told her if you want to have a say in his schooling, clothing, activities, then cut a check. But until then, mind your business that pays you. Well, it came to a head today when she decided to give unsolicited parenting advice again, this time in front of the kids. She made a comment to me about not speaking up for my son and allowing him to speak for himself. And then the problem today is that I always have to speak up for him when he can't speak for himself. He stated that he doesn't like it when my sister asks him questions when I'm not around because... When she doesn't like his answer, she gets mean and says things to him that aren't nice. I replied to her that as long as I live, I will speak and advocate for my son. I don't care if she does or doesn't like it. She continued to throw jabs at my parenting when I replied, the only reason you're here is because you're bad with money. You're still a guest in this house, so if you don't like how I raise my son, keep it to yourself or you can leave. I must have struck a nerve because she has since blocked me from social media and stormed out. She left her son and dog in my care. I'm now taking care of and homeschooling my son, nephew, and walking her dog while she throws her umpteenth tantrum. At this point, I want her to leave. She's disturbing the peace in my home and my mental health. Our parents remind me that she's my only sister, but she's never treated me as that. More like a stranger in the street. I'm always told to let it go and be the bigger person, and honestly, I'm tired of the bullshit. I've talked to my therapist about our relationship, and he said to keep working on it. How would you handle this during this pandemic? My mental health and peace have been so important, and her lack of care is causing me stress. Thanks for giving us a show to listen to each week. Does she have a Ooh. name? 
No, let's give her a pseudonym. Uh, Tracy. Tracy. So help me, let's see if we can get a synthesis, a recap of all that Tracy has said. So yes. Tracy is living with Tracy her. lives in the home with her parents, or she's in the home right now with her parents and her grandparents mm-hmm. um, because of the, because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, her sister, her younger sister, but they are close in age, has a preteen child. She has an eight-year-old. Okay. Um, she is, they seem to have a very tense relationship is what I'm gathering from this email. Right. And, you know, there's always that one sibling. there's always that one a lot of times there's that one not always but a lot of times but her sister seems to be that one based off of this email um and she's putting the family at risk she has a bad attitude she's being disruptive in the house and it looked like things came to a pimple popping head and niggas was about to fight but she left Mm. And so she's saying she spoke to her therapist because, you know, that's always our number one go to. Absolutely. But the therapist tells her to keep working on the relationship. The parents keep telling her to work on the relationship because this is her only sister. And she's uh, pretty much reached her, her, her peak. Um. So she's asking if she should or should not or. She says. I've talked to my therapist about our relationship and he said to keep working on it. How would you handle this during the pandemic? My mental health and peace have been so important and her lack of care is causing me stress. So I think that, um, you know, this this pandemic is something that we're all figuring out for the first Mm -hmm. time. Right. There is no right or wrong way. Um, So I would preface my comments by saying this is just based on. Me and what I've learned and my own experience of of this um this time and what what I know I need to navigate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, um, I agree with you that your peace is very important during this time. I think um, but at the same time, uh, you know, this COVID thing is taking people out. I'm not encouraging you to, um, I don't know for me and this money and I, I don't know, this might not be a possibility. I don't know what you think this, but sometimes it's just about peace doesn't always mean rec, like, like completely reconciling, becoming besties again, um, carrying on business as usual. Mm-hmm. I think making peace with your, um, sister and with yourself about this situation may very much mean coming to a place where you have found peace Mm -hmm. in yourself with whatever things, you know, however things may be. Um, It may be, that may be, you know, setting um, an intention or a goal for where you would like to be with your sister, Mm -hmm. um, but acknowledging and, and working toward that, but acknowledging that it's not all on you. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't mm-hmm. take on, um, you know, you can't take on a responsibility like for her behaviors or her actions or how she responds. Yeah. I think for me, making peace would be like doing everything that feels right and appropriate and authentic. And, you know, from my heart, you know, doing everything that I feel like is within my my power and and. um 
capacity mm-hmm. to uh, m- mend. Like I said, mend a relationship with your sister, but that doesn't mean that y'all have to become attached at the hip or anything, but just be a, be at a place where y'all can coexist um, and be family, um, especially during this crazy time. Um, and I say that fully acknowledging that, you know, your sister may not have that interest. Your sister may not have that desire. Mm-hmm. And your sister may not meet you halfway. But I think if you do all that you can do, then you can start to make peace within yourself and then have that peace that, you know, I've done everything that's within my power to do. It's not on me. Mm-hmm. Um, after you've made the, the effort, then, you know, if things are, you know, continue to deteriorate, and you was like, okay, I'm just going to get out. I got to protect me and my child. Mm-hmm. Then that's what you have to do. I think it's about making the effort. But if your effort is not met with the same level of energy and intention that you have, then it's okay for you to kind of adjust and recalibrate and decide mm-hmm. where to go from there. I, I I would agree with Kia. I would also say... Um, you asked personally how I would handle it. There was a couple red flags for me. And the first and foremost was the fact that she's traipsing in and out of the house with no regard for the other individuals in the house, including her own child. But your parents and your grandparents and your child. And so that gives me cause for concern. And while I think ultimately I would love for you all to find a way to be able to like he has said, not not necessarily be attached at at the hip, but find some sort of mending ground. And this in this shit that's going on right here, what I would do is I'd put her ass right on out. <laughs> and that's just my honest that's just my honest take on it because you're putting everybody in danger and you have no regard. And then furthermore, you have no regard for anybody in the house. Like outside of you leaving, you out here wilding. Like I'm not getting ready to go to my parents' house and roll up. That's just I'm not doing that. Like, especially when I know they don't want me doing that in the crib. Like I'm not gonna do that. And then, you know, I'm loud, I'm screaming at niggas, like I'm not, I'm not, I have no regard for anybody else in the crib. And honestly, Family or not, when people are disrespectful like that, you've got to go, especially when we're already living in a very high-stress environment. And I'd keep my nephew right there. I understand that it's an extra layer of, you know, having to homeschool and having to kind of facilitate certain things, but I feel like that's still going to bring you more peace than you dealing with that tension right now, especially while we're dealing with so much tension that we can't control. And so when you're dealing with a person who has no regard for other people and they're disrespectful, I just, I don't have any room for that. I have no place for that. So personally, I'd put her out. I'd put her out during <laughs> this. That's just, that's just honestly how I feel. <laughs> I, but, you know, please let us know, you know, Kia has some beautiful words and I know they were, <laughs> they were very useful. So listen to that. <laughs> I just gave you my honest take on it. But please keep us updated and let us know how things are going and how you're doing in general. And we hope all of you all are doing all right. We know we all hitting certain walls at certain points. And it's we try not to COVID everybody to death, but COVID is covid us to death. So I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. So, um, but yeah, please keep us updated. Continue to send your honesty box questions to gettinggrownpodcast at gmail.com. And we can roll right on into this black woman self-care. I deserve, oh, oh, 
Hey. All right, Black Women Self-Care is, is uh, we don't want it to dwindle like it did the first time, but obviously we know in these times there is only but so much we can do to take care of ourselves. Um, mine's, it's it's pretty simple this week. I, um, I, I washed my hair. I washed my hair and I conditioned it and I combed it and took it out of the ratty nest that it was. And that was a big feat for me. And so I'm proud of that. And that is going to be my black woman's self-care this week. I think that's sufficient. Yeah. That's where Um, we at. I think I talked about it a little bit earlier, but Keisha and I are trying to commit to Mm -hmm. our consistent prayer and reflection time every day. Having that accountability has been clutch. Um, And as far, I also washed my hair, um, which was enjoyable. Um, and, uh, I've been, like I said, I've been trying to be a little bit more intentional about not having as much screen time on my phone, um, like turning it off and, uh, getting comfortable with some silence, um, that has been helpful, but, you know, not for a long extended periods of time, but just not feeling like it has to be on all the time and in my hand, mm-hmm. which has been helpful. That's good. That's necessary too. Cause... I'm noticing the phone is stressing me out more than ever these days. So, you know, sometimes you got to take a quick detachment, not just from social media, but in general. Agreed. Well, that is that. Let's move on to these petty peeves. And I want to be very responsible of the things I say to my sister. Because everybody know I can be real petty. P-E to the T-T-Y, honey. It's time for the petty peeves. Okay. So we haven't done a listener petty peeve in quite some time, but I thought this was very timely and it spoke to my entire soul. So this is from Natalie. Natalie says, hello, ladies, love you both to pieces. Okay, I understand all the measures that are required to be safe during this time of Corona completely wearing gloves and masks and such. But there are a few things that need to be addressed, unfortunately. First... When wearing gloves, please dispose of them properly. They do not belong in the streets or in a puddle or wherever they can cause another issue. Mm -hmm. I am tired of driving over them as I leave the Target parking lot. The trash can is right there or close by. Use it. Second, if you are wearing them in your workplace, please remember to change your gloves when leaving and entering the room again. If you wear them in the bathroom, you are still required to wash your hands. That's gross. Do not wear them while you use the bathroom and think you can just walk past this open sink and head back to your desk. You're putting the door handles and things at risk with your pissy hands. Oh, my God. Or otherwise. Take them off, throw them away, and wash your hands and then put on a brand new pair. Third, if you wear them while you eat... Take them off and wash your hands just because you use a gloved finger. When you put your finger in your mouth does not mean you are not required to wash your hands. Replace them throughout the day. Gloves are not replacement hands. They can only protect you and others from so much. Hand washing is still very much required. Love you, ladies. Please continue to stay safe and sanitized. Very much required. It's just terrible that these things have to be said. But thank you, Natalie. (laughs) I just... For raising these things to the attention of the trifling misbegotten um, who have not been raised. That's um, it. 
My petty peeve is very brief, but I just would like to caution us all to mind our business and for our white brothers and sisters to mind their privilege Mm. and to Mm. know that, um, you know, these are not the times for you to to throw your privilege around. Okay, we are all struggling Many of us are impacted in ways that you are not. So it would just behoove you to just be quiet under most circumstances. <laughs> um, but I was telling Jade and Mike, Michael earlier about, you know, I had experience that I had when I was going to pick up something from Kinko's earlier. And um, we were all waiting outside of the Kinko's because Kinko's was practicing social distancing and only allowing a very limited number of people into the store at one time. Um, As we were congregating around the door, this man just came up and started giving out instructions. Like he was like, who's in line? Okay. Okay. Shouldn't we be standing in line? You stand here. You stand there. And I'm just like, first of all, sir, you the one that walked up. Uh, you know, this is about you and your comfort. The rest of us were not bothered by the way that we were standing here. Everyone was clear. You were the only one that was not. So that's not our problem. And we don't have to do things because you said so. Well, I was just offering. Nobody asked you for anything, though. Not a soul. Nobody asked you. And you were the last person to walk up. We are all capable adults. We know how this system works. We understand who was here when we got here and who was not. And nobody's trying to jump the line or get in front of you. And you, sir, since you just got here, you're going to have to wait till we all leave. So what does it matter? Please, um, but please tell them what he said to you. He was like, well, I guess you told me. And I said, <laughs> yes, sir, I did. Yes, sir, I did. Because I don't know why you feel like it's your place. Or your, or your privilege to come up here and start giving people instructions. We are all able-bodied, functioning adults. And we don't need you to come in here and teach us how to wait in line. We're good. Thank you so much. These aren't the times we all live <laughs> I just for. wish, I mean, it's like, guys, like, really? Like, we are, we are going through enough. We're trying to navigate this world and stay alive and stay safe. And we don't need you to come in here telling us what to do. Mm-mm. That's all I'm saying. You know Mm-mm. what I'm saying? Like, get, get, what? Sir, you're coming up here loud and barking these orders. I'm just waiting here so I can get my things. I can get back to my own air in my own apartment. I don't need you or your spittles over here <laughs> telling me what to do. Okay? Don't you just feel so exposed when uh, you're outside now? Oh, my gosh. I literally leave, try to leave once a week, if not less, to go to the supermarket. And outside of that, I don't go. And I just feel exposed when I go outside I just feel like um yeah I I I try to limit my my time outside of my apartment to as least the least amount of time possible because it's just it's literally like they've it's been I've never as a black woman felt 100% safe walking around. Well, in the of world. course not. No, never. But um <laughs> I just think that, you know, that that level of security is like, you know, dwindling all the more these days, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just and I hate the anxiety of how conscious I am of everything, right? So I was walking actually to pick up masks from the post office. Mhm. So I was using a scarf and the scarf kind of fell down and I had on my gloves. So I I know that I used my my hand to open the door with the mm-hmm. gloves. And then I noticed that I moved my scarf up because it had fallen down. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I mo- I know I didn't touch my face to mm-hmm. no, and touch, but I was just like, oh my God, I touched the scarf. <laughs> no. 
Right? So I'm, I'm walking down the street like, I touched the scarf. Do I take the scarf off now? Oh, my God. Like, I'm, like, literally having a panic attack as I'm walking across the street. And then I'm just, I literally had to, like, talk myself down. Like, girl, you're going to have to get a hold of this anxiety. You're doing everything that you that you know how to do. You That's just got to trust God for the rest. The that like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'm doing the very best that I can. Like, I'm, I'm just trying to be conscious. But it's really, it really is like a thing. Like, oh, my God, I touched the scarf. Then I'm tired of smelling my own breath. I smoke a blunt before I like, go to the supermarket oh and then I'm just breathing in my own breath the whole time. I'm, I'm like, like ah, <laughs> can't chew no gum. I don't want to breathe hard. when I pass people in the store. I'm sick of it all. But in <laughs> this man, I was walking past the outdoor ATM mm. and this man um clearly was not from this country. Or well I shouldn't say that. Well well yeah clearly not from this country but also English was nice, first language. He was speaking mm-hmm. to me in what sounded like French, but it seemed like he was asking me to help him to deposit a check um, at the at the ATM. And I was, he was like, so he kept saying, my check, oh, no. my check. And I was just like, I was just looking at him like, sir, with all due respect, you can't possibly think I'm going to stand here. <laughs> like, I mean, he was just like no gloves, no nothing. Oh, he was no. just out in the open. Oh, and no. you can't possibly think that I'm going to take something out of your hand and then proceed. No, 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 no. I was just looking at him like, mm-hmm. I am so sorry, but I cannot help you. Like, Sir, I'm not supposed to be speaking I'm literally to you. not supposed to like, and like, you're just way too close to me right now in the first place. And I hate that it's come to that because under yeah. normal circumstances, I probably would have tried to help him. Um, and, and I hate that I have to be that conscious. I was leaving, a, as I was leaving the store, uh, a man in a wheelchair, you know, I opened, I held the door for him so that he can get out. And as he was going across the threshold of the door, he dropped his keys. Oh. So I had my gloves on. So I just reached down and handed him his keys mm-hmm. and tried to do so at like a full arm's length. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I just handed him his keys. And I mean, he was looking at me like, I know. Thank you. I know. Like, okay. he like, <laughs> at least y'all had a He was just like, he was, just, it was a black man. He was just looking at me like, I know. Thank you so much. I know, like, girl. <laughs> um, so, but, but, you know, under normal circumstances, I, it would have been not a thought for me yeah. to help this man. But, you know, the fact that I had to literally be like, oh my God. Right. So like, I what know. do I do now? Um, that's, that's a thing, right? That's crazy. Ooh, we are living in crazy times. That that was all actually very perfect for the Petty Peeve segment. <laughs> a perfect wrap up Ooh. to this uh, Handmaid's Tale that we are living in this live <laughs> episode of Black Mirror. Uh, we thank you all for listening and supporting each and every week, especially now. For sure. We hope sure. you get your copy of I Don't Want to Die Poor. Yes, because none of us do. No, not a single one. And stay safe, stay healthy, and sis, tell them what else to do. Continue to drink your water because that's also very important. Even Mm. in these days of social distancing and teleworking, Mm -hmm. we must stay hydrated. Um, Continue to mind your business because, you know, it's dwindling, I'm sure, (laughs) (laughs) given the circumstances. All of our business is dwindling. Um, And then also moisturize your skin because in these masks and in these gloves, and especially (laughs) since we're still washing our hands, uh, at least 43 times a day. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to be intentional about moisturizing because your black will crack if it's dry. Stay safe, guys. Bye. Y'all be good. All right, y'all, your faves, Molly, Issa, Lawrence, and them, they're back again. Insecure, starring Issa Rae, everyone's favorite, returns on HBO for its fourth. That's one, two, three, four seasons this Sunday, April 12th at 10 p.m. Again, you're following your favorite characters as they evaluate their relationships, new and old, in the ghetto that is adulting. Um, And this is all in an effort to figure out 
what's next for them. The Hollywood Reporter calls Insecure one of TV's sharpest, funniest, and raciest comedies. Again, you don't want to miss the season premiere of Insecure, Sunday, April 12th at 10 p.m. only on HBO.